Today I'm going to be talking about what I'm calling letters from lockdown. You're going, what? That's in the Eastern, she's supposed to be talking about the resurrection. Has to communicate to a church that he can't touch, he can't feel, he can't hug, he can't lay hands on. He has to communicate the essentials of truth to them and he wants to encourage them. The thing to remember, I think, when we look at these letters is that they are written by a man who is chained and physically captured but who is spiritually free. I just want to start off by saying that to you this morning. It's really important. Remember this. Though you may be physically locked down, though you may be physically captured, physically under house arrest, if you will, you are spiritually free in Jesus' mighty name. And that's what Paul was doing when he was communicating with these churches. Now, let me tell you something about these letters that he wrote. First of all, you've got to remember, these were dangerous documents. These documents that he was writing, you see, we're kind of used to, and now we will look at the letter of St. Paul to the Philippians, or we're saying, and now we should look at the letter to the Ephesians. We think it's all kind of gentle and very gentlemanly and kind, but it wasn't. You see, these were dangerous documents, because some of the ideas that Paul puts out here were quite incendiary, especially in the Roman Empire. Remember, he is under arrest under Nero, and we all know how much of a friend Nero was to the Christian church. That's who Paul was, was arrested under. That's who he was waiting to go for trial under. And even Paul knew in his heart and soul that when you go for trial before Nero, Nero didn't exactly love the Christians. He was deeply, deeply suspicious of them, as were many in Caesar's court. Many in his court were very suspicious of the Christians because the Christians talked about having another king other than Jesus. They talked about a resurrection, which was kind of a bit weird, that this king who had been killed would rise, to, rise from the grave. Imagine you are a careful maybe confident parent who was looking after your children back in these days and one of them came home and said I just got a letter from a jailbird who's locked up in Rome and uh, he's in jail in Rome at the moment because uh, he's, he's locked up for propagating a message that in the words of some has overturned the world, has caused turmoil everywhere it's gone and he is one of the ringleaders of this movement of whose real leader was actually executed for sedition and rebellion against Rome back in Judea a few years ago. And he's after writing this letter and he's telling me how to live. No sensible parent would probably have gone, oh, isn't that a great letter? Let's read this letter that the Romans would just love. So when we look at these letters, you've got to remember that to the Romans, like Paul says, to the pure, all things are pure, but to those who are wicked and perverse and corrupt, all things are wicked and perverse and corrupt. He said that to Titus. Anyway, what are the letters? Come on, Michael, get on with it. The first letter is the letter to the Ephesians. He writes a letter to the church at Ephesus, and that was carried by a guy called Tychicus. I'll make the point with these guys in a second. The second letter he wrote, or we have them in the order of the New Testament, is Philippians, and that was carried by a, by a guy called Epaphroditus. The next one was the book that he wrote to the Colossians, a church that he had never actually visited in person, but he wrote to. He sent that message with a guy called Epaphras. And finally, he wrote a letter to his friend, a guy called Philemon, who happened to live in the city of Colossae as well, and that was carried by a guy called Onesimus, an escaped slave who became became a Christian in Rome and whom Paul sent back to his master but for very good reason and maybe we'll look at that at another stage. What's the point about putting up these titles of these letters? These men were taking a huge risk carrying these documents around the Roman Empire. Carrying them around and being arrested and being found to be carrying this information that talks about having a citizenship elsewhere other than in Rome, having a king that was higher than the, 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 the Roman Empire. These things were quite incendiary ideas. And even though Paul was encouraging Christians to obey the law, 
The Romans didn't see it that way, as the history of the persecution of the Christian church would evidence in the decades to come. In, fact, in actual fact, in the centuries to come. And the Christian church is still the most persecuted faith in the world, even to this day. Each of the letters contains broadly three, three broad outlines. The broad outline is very simple. It's this, who God is and what he has done for us. The second thing that he brings out is who we were before we came to know Jesus and who we were after we came to know Jesus and who we are now. And then he talks about how we should live now. That's the broad outline of these letters, these letters that he writes from lockdown. The curious thing about Paul is that when he's stuck inside in prison and he can't go and he can't visit other Christians, I'm even feeling it myself. I haven't, other than my own family, I haven't touched another human being in four weeks which is, which is, for me, it feels really, really weird. Well, I did touch one guy. It was Pascal Sheehy from RTE. I met him outside Supervalue in, in Douglas. And yes, I am stalking Pascal, but that's another story. Um, but I haven't touched anybody else. And so Paul was like this. He was a touchy-feely guy. He knelt with people. He wept with them. He laid hands on them. And here he is. He's stuck. He can't reach out and visit and speak and be with the people he wants to be with. But you know something? Regardless of your circumstances, I quoted this the Sunday before last. Your circumstances do something important to you. They don't make you, but they reveal you. Here's what James Allen said. Circumstances don't make the man, they reveal him. And of course he's talking, he's basically abridging the version that the philosopher, the Greek philosopher Epictetus said, that circumstances don't make a man, they just reveal him. And here is Paul in these circumstances. What will these circumstances reveal about you? Here's a nice hard question to first. What do these circumstances reveal about you or what will be revealed about you because you do have a choice in how you respond to the circumstances that you're now in. Paul writes from prison but there's something important we need to remember that every one of us, every single one of us were prisoners. Every one of us. Here's what Paul wrote to the Galatians. He said but the scriptures declare that we are all prisoners of sin so we receive God's promise of freedom only by believing in Jesus Christ. We were all prisoners. And we are all prisoners until we come to know Jesus Christ. We're all prisoners in a prison whose door can only be opened from the outside. We can only be set free by Jesus Christ. He's the only one who can set us free from our sin. He's the only one who can save our souls. We are all in some sense prisoners. I want to look at Paul's response to being locked down. And in it, he, in, the, in all of his letters, he basically offers up prayers to, for all of the Christians. And he tells them what he's praying for them. And I want to just look for a couple of seconds at those prayers. We're going to be looking at Ephesians, Paul's prison prayers. We're going to look at Ephesians chapter 1, verses 16 to 20. You can open it yourself if you want to open it in front of you. But I will be putting the, the, the relevant verses up here on the screen. And thank you for the feedback to those who were talking about the visibility of stuff on the screen. I hope this is a bit of an improvement today. I hope, I hope you can see things a little bit better. But Paul is trapped. Physically trapped. Nothing he can do. Can't get out. Can't go where he wants to go. People have to bring stuff to him. But there's one thing that he can do. He can pray. He can reach spiritually beyond his circumstances. In actual fact, he writes to the Corinthian church at a time when they're having a crisis. And he says, I want you to get together. And though I won't be with you physically, I'll be with you in spirit. 
Now that doesn't mean that Paul was astrally projecting himself, a kind of appearing in spirit inside in their meeting. It means that he was saying that my heart and my will and my spirit are with you. So that when, when they met together, they had, if you will, the authority of Paul the Apostle in the meeting they were talking about. And so here he is physically trapped, but he is spiritually free. And what does he do? He starts to pray. He starts to pray for the Christians. And I love what he says. He, gives, he begins by saying this, I pray for you constantly. I never stop praying for you, he said. I never stop praying for you. Asking the God, asking God, the glorious Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, to give you spiritual wisdom and insight so that you might grow in your knowledge of God. He prays for them constantly. And you think, well, how did the fella eat? And how did he work? And how did he go to the toilet? He prayed while he was there. He just kept praying all the time. For Paul, prayer was clearly an ongoing conversation with his Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. For Paul, it was a very real conversation. And he prayed constantly. You too can pray constantly. By all means, we need to have quality time where we're just focused on our day. But what about the rest of the things of the day? Can we pray while we're washing the dishes? God bless me as I do this. Absolutely. Can we pray for people that we love? when we're making beds and vacuuming houses and painting walls and going about our business? Of course we can do that. Of course we can do that. Of course we can pray constantly. But what I like about it is what he prayed for them. He prayed for them that they would have spiritual wisdom and insight and they would grow in their knowledge of God. This is an opportunity for many people to grow in their knowledge of God. It's a time for you to grow in your knowledge of God. If you take deliberate steps, you can grow in your knowledge of God. You can pick up your Bible. You can read it. You can read articles, commentaries. You can grow in your knowledge of God through this. And you can grow in your experience of God by praying even more. And then he talks about spiritual wisdom. He's not talking about proverbial wisdom. He's not people going, oh, arr, a stitch in time saves nine. He's not talking about that kind of wisdom. What he's talking about is spiritual wisdom. Because, you know, because Paul's talking about Christ being crucified. Remember he said about Christ being crucified, he said it to the Corinthian church. He said, it is foolishness, foolishness to the Greeks. And it's a stumbling block to the Jews. They don't like the idea of the Messiah being crucified. Even if they, if they say he rose again, they thought it was ridiculous. It was foolishness. That's what they were saying it was like. But he wants them to grow in spiritual wisdom, not in earthly wisdom, not in physical wisdom, not in the practical living out your day wisdom, but the spiritual wisdom, the wisdom that puts the priority, put the priorities right in their lives, puts God first in their lives. And he wants them to grow so that they will grow in their knowledge of God. You know what? No matter how much learning you do, no matter how much thinking you do, no matter how much book reading you do, no matter how much knowledge you will accumulate, Paul says to the Corinthian church, he says, knowledge, it just kind of puffs up, but love builds up. He wanted them to be built up in their knowledge of God. He goes on, I pray that your hearts will be flooded with light so that you can understand the confident hope he has given those who called his holy people who are his rich and glorious inheritance. To which we all said, what? Exactly. It was a kind of a complicated thing. Paul said even Peter commented that Peter, Paul writes some fairly complicated things. But I like this idea of understanding. So that you can understand. You see, we can see things, but we may not understand them. Like that was like me when it came to maths. I cannot understand maths. I'm useless at maths. But some people out there, and I'm thinking maybe Farad Raisa, big wave out to you Farad. People like Farad Raisa, who are just brilliant at maths. 
And my son Robin, he's good maths. He's a good mathematician. He figures it out. He looks at it. To me, they're just numbers crawling across a page. Let me give you an example. Here's a maths equation, and I could be looking at this forever. x over 2x minus 3 plus 4 over x minus 1 equals 1. Find the value of x. Now, I am wasting my time looking at that. And I know Farad Rice is getting out his pen, so for what it's worth, x over 2x minus 3 plus 4 over x minus 1 equals 1. Find the value of x. Over to you, Farad. By the way, if you can answer that, stick us up a comment, let us know the answer, and we will send you a prize. Or better still, if you could write the answer on the back of a 50 euro note and send it to 15 Amberley Drive, Grange Douglas Cork T, T uh, 12HYN7, and uh, I'll distribute the prizes afterwards. But I could look at that forever, but for some people, to me they're just numbers, but then suddenly, to some people, they make perfect sense. They just light up and they go, ah, that makes sense to me. Never made sense to me. And Paul is saying, I want you to understand the confident hope that you have. Not just get it, not just understand it mentally. He wants the penny to drop. He wants it to go from the head and into the heart so that you get a whole picture of it. And I love he goes on to say, so he goes on to say the confident hope he has given to, his, to those he has called. Next line important. His holy people who are his rich and glorious inheritance. Hello. We all know that God has an inheritance. God has an inheritance for us. But did you know that you are God's inheritance? Did you know that you are God's inheritance to himself? That God invests in you? That God invests his spirit? He invests his love? He invests his power in you? Because you are his inheritance? And when you think about being God's inheritance, it kind of makes sense when Jesus says, the Father knows every hair in your head is numbered. He knows everything. He's watching his investment in you carefully. You are God's Glorious inheritance to himself. Yes, there is an inheritance kept in heaven for those of us who follow him. But you yourself are actually part of that inheritance. And he goes on to say, this is his third prayer. He says, I also pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe him. I pray that you'll understand the incredible power, greatness of God's power for us who believe him. When I was growing up, we were afraid of atomic bombs. We thought there was going to be a nuclear war. Well, that seems to have receded a bit at the moment. But you know what? The power of God is more powerful than anything that went off in Hiroshima or Nagasaki. More powerful than anything that was tested in the South Sea Islands. The power and the greatness of God is at work in you and for those who believe him. A couple of weeks ago I said, who can be, if God is for us, who can be against us? As it says in the book of Romans in chapter 8. When it says that, we need to realize the power of God that is at work in us. And he goes on to say this. He said, this same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead. This is the same power that raised Christ from the dead. It's not a kind of a different version of the power. It's not kind of, well, we have one power for this and we have one power for that. It wasn't that he had one power for raising Christ from the dead and a different power for the lives of Christians. He said it is the same power. Can you imagine that? There is resurrection power at work in you. Resurrection power available to you. There is resurrection power surrounding you. The same power that raised Christ from the dead 
He was dead and he rose up again. Paul would later say that if the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives in you, he will bring life to your mortal body. It's the same mighty power. He has the power to raise us again. He has the power to raise the drunk from his drunkenness. To raise the addict from his addiction. To raise the anxious from their anxiety. That is the power of God that he has made available to us. We just need to reach out, experience, touch, understand, gain a knowledge of that power. And then he goes on to say, he says the same power that raised Christ in the dead and seated him in the place of honour at God's right hand in the heavenly realm. Whoever the Romans thought was the king, Jesus was the king. Whoever the Romans thought was in power, Jesus is in power. Jesus said after his resurrection, all authority in heaven and on earth is given to me. Whatever the Romans thought about the power they had, Jesus actually has the power. And that's the one that we pray to. That's the one we call upon. That's the one that we come to when we pray, when we ask for wisdom and understanding and we ask for knowledge. I like to quote by Alexander McLaren. Tom was talking uh, last Sunday about your temperature and he made an interesting point. This is an old Scottish preacher long since passed away, gone to be with the Lord. His name is Alexander McLaren and he talked about prayers and he said this. He said, a man's prayers for others are a fair thermometer, measuring his temperature, of his own religious condition. What he asks for them will largely indicate what he thinks best for himself. What he asks for them will largely indicate what he thinks best for himself. You know, I'm so glad to hear that Alexander McLaren said that almost 200 years ago. Because we were saying it in grace every Sunday that we were here. If you forget what to pray for others, pray for them what you would pray for yourself. Which is a fair indication of what you would like yourself. Do you pray for them to be blessed and prospered and protected and watched over? Do you pray for them to become influence, in influencers for the kingdom of God? Do you know, by all means... Pray for other people. And what I want to do is I want to encourage you out of all of this. And this is really important. That maybe you have more time. Maybe you don't. Maybe you're on the front line and you're exhausted. Then let us know. We want to pray for you. If you have a prayer request, let me know. We'd love to pray for you. We can pass it on to our prayer and care team. We've got people in church who love to pray. All they need to know is what to pray for. Now let me put in a little caveat. And that is, if you're praying for your Auntie Maisie's carabuncle, you, that one is on yourself. You can pray for that yourself. But if you've got a real serious prayer request, send it in to us. You can direct message us. You can communicate with us by Facebook pages. You can communicate with us on Facebook over Instagram. You can communicate with us by WhatsApp. You can communicate with us by Facebook messages. Messenger, email, text machine, smoke signal, carrier pigeon, take your pick, Morse code. Send in your prayer requests and we will pray for you. We'll do our best to pray for you. And we'll pass on the prayers to people who really know how to pray for others. I want to come to a close on this. I'm going to come to the, to the letter to the Philippians, even though I'm actually, I've quoted at the end that it's from Ephesians 1.12. It's actually Philippians 1.12 is the next verse that I want to put up. I've actually, it's Ephesians 1.12, or Philippians 1.12 and 1.14. I just spotted my typo, so my apologies for that. Here's what Paul said. Remember, he's under lockdown, just like you're under lockdown, just like I'm under lockdown, just like we're not free to go, he wasn't free to go, but here's what he said. I want you to know, my dear brothers and sisters, that everything that has happened to me here has helped to spread the good news. You see, the gospel is spread virally. 
It comes from person to person to person. Just like COVID-19. That's how the gospel spreads. We sneeze the good news on top of people. We cough the good news of Jesus in their direction. And they catch the gospel virus. And that's what Paul is saying. He said, do you know, despite the fact that I'm locked down here, everything has happened here has happened to spread the good news. It's helping to spread the good news. It's not hindering it. You see, the Romans said, here's what we're going to do. Stick the guy in jail, and that'll put an end to the message. And Paul says, no, that's not actually what's after happening at all. Things have gotten better since I was locked up. Things are improving. The message is spreading. It's growing, even though he was trapped. And he goes on to say something to me even more stunning. He says, and because of my imprisonment, most of the believers here have gained confidence and boldly speak God's message without fear. They boldly speak God's message without fear. He says, despite my imprisonment. So they heard that Paul was, was chained up and was on his way to see Nero. And he said, despite that imprisonment, they've actually gained in confidence. They're actually more confident about telling the good news of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Can you imagine that if out of all of these circumstances... The gospel actually spread? I bet you it will. I'll bet you it will. I'll tell you when it comes to the gospel, when it comes to the Romans trying to stop the message of the good news of Jesus going out. No matter what they did, they shot it with their silver bullet. They stabbed it in the heart with their stake. They threw the holy water of Jupiter at it. They probably spat garlic at it, but they still couldn't stop it. It kept marching on. For the Romans, the lockdown of Christian faith was a fail. It was a lock. Don't fail. It just didn't work. Why didn't it work? Hmm, I wonder why it didn't work. I'll tell you why it didn't work. The reason that the Roman lockdown didn't work is because you cannot hold God down. The gospel, the, the, the preachers may be chained, but the gospel isn't chained. The Holy Spirit is never changed. The power of God is never changed. It is always free. It can never be closed down anywhere. You go to any country in the world. Go to the countries like China where they tried to clamp down on the Christian message. It blossomed in Russia in the communist period. They clamped down the Christian message and it blossomed underground. Why? Because the power of God was in it. I love when it says about Herod Antipas in the book of Acts that Herod Antipas died. He died. God judged him and he died. But it says, but the, cost, the good news about Jesus Christ continued to prosper. The good news kept on advancing on, despite, despite the efforts of Herod Antipas and despite the efforts of the Roman authorities. Now, here is the punchline. If you are believing in Jesus Christ, if you are a Christian, if you're not a Christian, I urge you today, call out to him. Realize that you're locked inside in that prison and call out to Jesus Christ. Relocked that you cannot get out of that prison of sin that you're stuck in. And Jesus Christ will set you free. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. For us as Christians, what do we need to realize? One, that God can prosper his message and prosper us spiritually, physically. He can prosper us in knowledge and in spiritual wisdom and in the power of God in the middle of a global crisis. That's when God actually does some of his best work. When the power of man is shown to be weakness, the power of God is elevated. How do we know that? I love it. Jesus himself was in lockdown. We sang about it just a while ago. Today we celebrate it. Jesus was in physical lockdown. He was physically in the tomb. He was physically dead. But death 
could not hold him. God raised him from the dead, writes Luke in the book of Acts. God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death. It goes on to say, because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. It was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. And it is impossible for lockdown to keep a hold on the message of the gospel. It was impossible for the Romans, impossible for the Chinese, impossible for the Russians, impossible for every culture that has ever attempted to come against the gospel and good news of Jesus Christ. They could not chain it. Moreover, Christians became more bold, became more capable, became more empowered. In their love and honor and acknowledgement of God. How can you do that today? Share this link. Spread the news. Get it out there. Share this link. Click share and send this link out there. And let your friends see that you're a Christian. Let them see that you believe in something that goes way beyond our current physical experience. I'm going to sing a song because um, that's what I do. I'm a bit of a song singer. But I want to remind you, we're going to be here again uh, on Tuesday. And I want to look at uh, the lockdown, letters from lockdown. That's going to be part two. I really hope you can join us for part two. I'm going to be looking at another element of what Paul wrote uh, to, the Galat- or to the Philippians, to the Ephesians, to the Colossians, and to Philemon. I'm going to look at another element of that. But what we're going to do is we're going to pray and we're going to sing a song. We're going to sing a song. I just love the idea that death could not hold Jesus. Now before... Before I, before I play, I'd like to pray. I'm going to invite you. Would you close your eyes where you are looking in? If you're looking in live, even if you're looking on YouTube on playback. Let's close our eyes and pray. Lord Jesus Christ, I thank you, Lord, that death could not hold you. And because it couldn't hold you, it can't hold us. Because that same power is at work in us, Lord. In us who believe, Lord, I pray that whatever hurdle or opposition or obstacle we face, we would realize that the power that's at work in us is the same one that raised Jesus from the dead, Lord. I thank you, Lord Jesus, that you are turning our our I can'ts into I can's. Lord, I pray that we would grow. During this period of separation physically, I pray that we would be more spiritually united than ever. United primarily with the head of the body, that is Jesus Christ, but also united one with the other, Lord. May we grow in your power. May we grow in the knowledge of you. May we grow in spiritual wisdom. May our priorities be put right in every way. Lord, we commit this time into your hands. Help us to pray however simply we can. Help us to pray. Thank you, Lord. We celebrate again today the one who was raised from the dead. On the third day. Death could not hold you. The veil tore before you. Silence the boast of sin and grave. The heavens are roaring. The praise of your glory. For you are raised to You have no rival, you have no equal, now and forever God you reign. Yours is the kingdom, yours is the glory, yours is the name above all. 
name it is. What a powerful name it is. The name of Jesus Christ, my King. What a powerful name it is. Nothing can stand against. What a powerful name it is. The name of Jesus. Powerful name it is. The name of Jesus. Let's declare again. Death could not hold you. The veil tore before you. You silenced the boast of sin and grave. The heavens are roaring. The praise of your glory. For you are raised to life again. You have no rival. You have no equal. Now and forever, God, you is the kingdom, yours is the glory, yours is the name above all names. What a powerful name it is, what a powerful name it is, the name of Jesus Christ my King. What a powerful name it is, nothing can stand against. What a powerful name it is, the name of Jesus. What a powerful name it is, the name of Jesus. What a powerful name it is, the name of Jesus. Worship you, Lord Jesus Christ. I thank you, Lord, you rose from the grave on the third day. And because of that, we have hope of resurrection Two, death could not hold you and it will not hold us. Let your spirit dwell on every household, upon every heart, Lord, whether we are gathered as a family or whether, Lord, we are alone. Lord, no one is completely cut off because your presence is available to everyone. Bless us as we go into our week, we pray in Jesus' name and God's people say today would have been the day on which we would have celebrated the baptisms here in Grace Christian Church. Today would have been the day when we would have rejoiced people celebrating the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Well, you know what? I don't want to let that day go past without celebrating and declaring something. For me personally, today is a very important day because 34 years ago, on this day, I was baptised in the River Lee at the graveyard in Iscara, and on that day we sang on that riverbank, I have decided to follow Jesus. Now I had a few bumps in the meantime, especially when I was a young man, when I was young and foolish, I was young and foolish. But I rejoice that today, 34 years later, I can still say, and maybe you can say with me, I have decided to follow Jesus. As our last effort today, I'm going to ask you to tune in with me before we do our final prayer. Remembering that those that we were not able to baptize today, we will baptize in September by the grace of God. We will get these people into the water. We will rejoice in them. We will declare that they are united with Christ in their baptism. That they will announce that they have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus, I have decided to follow.
turning back, no turning back. The cross before me, the world behind. The cross before me, the world behind me. The cross before me, the world behind me. No turning back, no turning back. Though none go with me, still I will follow. Though none go with me, still I will follow. No turning back, no turning back. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided. Follow Jesus, no turning back, 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 no turning back. Hope you can say, sing. Let's sing with me and say those words with me. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. We're going to carry on here now. I hope you can join us on Tuesday night. We're going to be here live at half past seven. But I want to say this. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord cause his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up the light of his countenance and give you his peace. And may you know the power of the resurrected, risen Jesus Christ at work in your head, in your heart, in your soul, and in your life. In Jesus' name, and God's people said a final, amen. God bless you, and see you on Tuesday, guys.